You're listening to On The Road with Mike and Andy, the number one Australian weekly trucking podcast made for Aussie truckies by Aussie truckies. Listen to On The Road on the Australian Big Rigs Radio Roadshow and via podcast on SoundCloud, iTunes, Spotify and now also on iHeartRadio. Just search for On The Road Aussie Trucking Podcast. On The Road is brought to you by NTI, Australia's leading transport and logistics insurer. Visit the website at nti.com.au. Thanks for joining us on the road again this week. Welcome to episode 40. We're getting bigger and better as each episode goes by and this week's massive show is no exception. We talk about driver health. Mike finds out how to keep your wheels running straight and true. In That's What You Think, we take a look at one of the strangest and possibly most unfair decisions made in our industry in a long time. We examine some of the evidence presented to the Senate inquiry in Something to Talk About. There's all the regular on-the-road news updates, plus great music from the Angels and the Allman Brothers. Open the gates, guys, and let's get on the road. G'day, I'm Yogi from Outback Chuckers, and when I'm on the road, we're always on the road doing stuff out on the road, but when we're on the road, we're listening to the big rigs on the road. This is Simon Smith here from the Australian Big Rig Radio Roadshow.com. Truck and radio is what we do across Australia 24-7. Loads of truck and classics every hour. If you'd like to drop us a line, love to hear from you at some stage. Our email address, bigrigradio at yahoo.com.au. Catch it down the road and take it steady out there. The Australian Big Rig Radio Roadshow.com. I see him We just wanted to stop by for a moment and say, G'day, how are you? No, I mean, how are you? Really? Physical and mental health is a significant issue for the Australian road transport and logistics industries. Risk factors like long hours, workplace isolation, pressure to meet deadline deliveries and the need for continual alertness all contribute to making us vulnerable to physical and mental health issues. Driving a truck for a living can take its toll in lots of different ways. It's a tough gig that demands a lot from drivers and their families, both physically and mentally. Long periods away from home, tight deadlines and constant time pressures can make life on the road pretty challenging. And when you're an owner-driver, there's a business to run too. But drivers have a special strength of character, working hard to get the job done, to deliver on time and to support their families. Like our trucks, our bodies and minds need regular attention too. Sounds obvious, right? But when it comes to taking care of ourselves, it's not always that easy, especially when you don't know what's around the next bend. As much as it might feel that way sometimes, you are not alone. There are some incredible people and organisations in our industry whose sole focus is on helping you to stay healthy in body, mind and spirit. They care about you and hear it on the road, so do we. Health in Gear is a program for drivers with a range of small actions that can help you to feel healthier and happier on the road and at home. They can share with you the small things that can make a big difference, keeping you well and keeping the wheels turning. Healthy Heads in Trucks and Sheds is all about providing people in the logistics industry with what they need to support their mental health and well-being. You've got friends you haven't met yet who are there for a chat whenever you might feel the need to talk to someone who understands and cares. Visit Health in Gear, Healthy Heads in Trucks and Sheds, Beyond Blue or Lifeline. All these numbers and addresses are listed on our website at ontheroadpodcast.com.au. We all genuinely share the same sentiment when we say, take care of yourselves, guys. We really just want to see everyone get home safe and well. I see I'm fine, yeah, I'm fine, oh, I'm fine, hey, I'm fine, but I'm not. So let the truth be told. 
sometimes when I'm driving down the road, looking through the windscreen, I just love to have a concert and I'll just put an album on, chill out and listen to the tunes of my favourite bands. I'm an old Angels fan. Am I ever going to see your face again? You know the line that goes along with that. No exit, shadow box. But there's a lot of later stuff that's come around as well. We all know that Doc's no longer with us. Dave Gleason's came into the band and they're still recording, they're still touring. Did an album called Take to the Streets. And there's a song on there called Waiting for the Sun. Long distance drivers have all been looking at the windscreen waiting for the sun at one time or another. Great pub rock music, great to drive to. It's a real beaut, Waiting for the Sun.
Simon McQuillan from Atlas Balance has joined us today in response to the questions that we've received and the discussion that we've had about tyres, tyre balance, getting good use out of tyres. We thought, why not go to someone who knows what they're talking about? This bloke talks the talk, walks the walk. He's been around the industry. He's not just some salesman. He actually knows what he's talking about, which is quite scary sometimes. Simon, welcome to the show, mate. How are you? Not too bad, thank you, Mike. And may I say, in particular, thanks very much for having us on board as well. Yeah, pleasure, mate. Tell us a bit about yourself, mate. Mike, my story, I guess you could say some folks sometimes question what's my experience in the industry. Put it this way, when I was a little kid, all I ever wanted to be was a truck driver. And my old man used to drill it down my neck. Nah, come on, you can do something better than that. Because my old man and his brothers, they started off with one little truck. Eventually, over a period of 10 years, they had just over 100 prime movers and 150 fellas working for them. Wow. Until they sold out to a firm called KNS Freighters. Right. And then I started driving then for my father's initial business, which was milk distribution. And so I was basically a steering wheel attendant for mum and dad. I had my own little truck, but then I'd also be doing back runs and filling in for our drivers at night time. And then eventually, oh gosh, I got into all sorts of things as far as running beef cattle over the years, doing beef cattle runs, mining for donkeys years as well. And eventually my folks actually bought a fuel distribution business. And yet again, if I wasn't sitting on a dozer or chasing cattle around the paddock, I'd then be filling in for drivers who maybe having a weekend off or if they couldn't make it to work, then I'd be filling in for them, doing runs out like West Queensland, Northern New South Wales, and mainly around the Brizzy area as well. Even when we talked the other day, you were out behind the wheel when we were talking about setting this conversation up. Yeah, and still to this day, I have to say it's nice. If I get invited out to actually do a run for someone else, I'll actually take them on the offer because it's still a nice break out, and I have to say I do like that line of work as well. Yeah, nice to sit there and look out the windscreen sometimes. Exactly. It's really quirky, but some of the best ideas, whether it's been marketing, engineering, some of the best things pop up when I'm out on the road and I'm seeing how the vehicles are operating or parked up at that servo, or even if I've been talking to someone along the way as well. Yeah, we get plenty of time to think when we're doing that. That we do, that we do. So we're here to talk about active balancing and The Atlas Balance thing is your baby. Where did the idea come from, mate? Actually, I had used something previously on one of my old man's trucks. The issue that we had was we couldn't get them to fit our Euro rigs. Yep. We couldn't do them on our drives. In particular, we could only use them on just one of our vehicles, which was a Freightliner. Right. And I thought, this is silly. It was a good product that worked reasonably well, but the issue that we had also, not only did they fit everything, but they'd also wear out over a certain period of time, like just after a couple of years. Right, eh? And so that's when I, when I was on the road one day and I was thinking about this sort of stuff, I had a, an idea buzzing around in my head that maybe I could make a, a one-size-fits-all design. Right. And that's actually where my dad got involved as well. And he even helped me with a few designs. And that's when he also came up with the logo as far as the Atlas is concerned. And I said, what the hell are you talking about? And he said, well, if you think about the God of Atlas, there's the reason why he's actually holding the earth over his shoulders. Right. Because of the crime that he committed amongst the Greek gods, his punishment was to actually hold the earth on his shoulders and keep it balanced. And he said, when you get this business set up and going, you'll actually be able to not only balance wheels within Australia, but actually balance wheels worldwide. And I thought, wow, that is a bit of a quirky story. And so what happened was then is that this very industry, being the transport industry, nothing more than probably six weeks to eight weeks, I was involved in uh, manufacturing. I lost dad to a prime mover accident. Wow. And so it was the industry that dad had been in since he was 12 years old, and it was the bloody industry that took him in the end. So I took it as a pledge, basically, to just make sure I was adamant that I wanted to keep this going, not just only as far as you know what's good for the industry, but also in the name of my old man as well. Yeah. Tough when the industry takes people away from you. There are a lot of guys out there, myself included, who have experienced that. So Yeah, that's right. So that's one thing I'll say to anyone is just take a look around you and realise how damn good we've actually got things because you, you never know when your number's up. Yeah, well, that's right. Mm. So great tyre wear and good balance. It all comes down to the bottom line, really, doesn't it? If you can get the right stuff out of your wheels and tyres, you're going to make more money. It's as simple as that. And that was the case, absolutely. 
So guys have been telling me, I mean, we've had balance weights. We've had guys that run wheels natural with nothing. We've had guys that use the balance beads or balance bags. Everyone's raved about the balance rings. I know that I certainly had drove a 909 that didn't have those on it when I first started driving it. And so I knew about what it was like and then I drove it with the balance rings on it. For me, and one of the reasons why I wanted to talk to you is because I can see and I've had my own experience about how this thing made a difference. Mm. But there's a lot of questions, mate. People want to find out about the liquid, what it is and how it works. And you talk about liquid metal. When people say liquid metal, I think that first thing that comes to mind is mercury. That's right. Yep. We all know that mercury is not good for you. So what do you use in the tyres? How do they work, mate? Yeah, absolutely. Gosh, don't go thinking that it's just the likes of balance beads that you're referring to as well. Mm. There's people that I've met who actually use golf balls to balance their tyres. Oh, righto. One fellow one time even had a cricket ball in each tyre as well. Okay. It's like little home remedies if you want to refer to it as that. Yep. Yeah, in regards to the liquid metal, absolutely, there's no point tiptoeing around it. It is mercury. At the same time, it's a recycled product. Most people actually don't realise that it's been fitted in a correct manner by professionals. It's actually fitted inside three sealed tubes and then encased in the steel ring itself. Right. Now, if people are to be worried about the likes of dangerous goods, then I've also questioned a number of times, well, where do you start and where do you finish, particularly on a heavy vehicle, being the likes of diesel, battery acid, radiator fluid, asbestos, that's in brake pads. The amount of mercury that we actually use in everyday life We've actually got them in our light switches in our houses. Yep. Most people don't realise that still to this day a lot of mercury is used with the manufacturing of lipstick. There's so many other things within our houses and our electrical products that we use every single day where it's still used as a natural lubricant All right. to stop those products actually wearing out as time goes by. Otherwise, your light switches, for example, would break within just a matter of a couple of years. Right. So we look down the list of concerns, obviously, people with all mercury. But if you have an accident, obviously, with it being sealed several times, it's not really a problem. It's probably not going to escape at all, is it? We've had all sorts of testing done in the sense that people misfitting them correctly from the very beginning and you know, completely crushing the rings. Yep. Unfortunately, when I first started, I actually even ran over a couple with my forklift one day, completely crushed them, literally like a pancake. Yep. But still, nothing was able to escape. Why? Because they're sealed inside not one, not two, but three rubber tubes, including the big steel ring that goes around the outside as well. As I say, this is why we got you, because you're the man with the answers. Mm. The next question and things that people have asked me, do you have to balance the tyres to start with? Definitely not. With a big capital N and a capital O and a capital T to go with it. <laughs> because that's why you've bought the balance rings. Simple as that. Indeed. Unfortunately, it's happened a couple of times where customers have gone and bought the rings, they've then had them fitted, and next thing you know, they've also been charged maybe 40 or 50 or 60 bucks for a wheel balance as well. And I've said to those people, look, with all due respect, I think you should go back and ask for your money back because you're getting charged for something which you've already now paid for twice. Yeah, seems a bit crazy to me. Yeah. So what tyres need to be balanced? We've talked about steer tyres. Mm. Guys have said to me that they've got them on their drive tyres. Yep. And I saw when I had a look at your web page there, they're a different shape. They're just a disc. That's right. With a flat disc that go between the... Between the jewels. Between the jewels. I'll just go on one thing you just said first, Mike, in, like in regards to how many wheels do you balance. Mm. And I was adamant from the beginning when I first fitted out our old Freightliner. That old girl had done 1.9 million Ks. Mm. She had the shakes and the rattles from day dot. Yep. And I'm not going to go knocking any brands because she was still a good working beast. Yep. However, we could only get around about 80,000 Ks on an average on that thing before the tyres would start to scallop out. Yep. When I put the rings on, we're using that particular brand of tyres. It literally jumped to the next set. I think it was about 120,000 that we got on the next brand. And so when we got to the following set of tyres, that's when our tyre fitter suggested, look, how about we change? We'll do a different set of tyres for the steers. And how about we have a crack at doing the drives and the A and the B trailer? And I said to him, why the hell would you bother doing that? He said one thing in particular, which has stuck into my head. He said, Simon, look at your Land Cruiser sitting over there. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, what about it? And he said, well, when you go and get a new set of tyres on it, do you tell them just to balance the front end? Yeah, I didn't think about that. So... We then did the jewels on the drives and then we did the jewels on the A's and the B's mm. and it was a no-brainer because within the next uh, 12 months, 
on the, the run that that vehicle was doing out to Chinchilla and back doing hot seat driving every day. Mm. That old girl got an extra 35% life on its tyres all round. And then also we noticed that the fuel bill from the year previous had gone down by 7%. Wow. I said to our tyre fitter, what would be the reason for that? And he said, look, if you think about it, in particular, the fuel tankers, it was a good example because we were just going one way full and one way empty. Mm. And he said, regardless of whatever load that you're pulling, that's 36 tyres that are normally fighting against each other, regardless of what you're carrying. Mm. So he said now, because they run nice and flush and they're not fighting like they used to, that means there's less strain on the engine as well. So that's why it was a no-brainer for us. Then we went through and we did the rest of our Kenworths on the steers, drives, A and B trailers, and then we did our Volvos as well. Right, yep. So the Euro hub, just on the difference between Kenworth and Volvo, the Euro hub and the American hub are a different shape, aren't they? That's correct. And so that's when we had to come up with a new design. But the benefits of that is that also we've got an American one size fits all. So that fits your eight and a quarters, nine inch offsets and your super singles. And that's regardless of whether you're running American disc or American drums. Right. Now your Euro Asian setting rings. And again, that's a one size fits all. You can take them off that Volvo, chuck them on the Scania. If you want to move on to a man or a DAF or some of that, it's all still exactly the same stud pattern. And if you want to be really cheeky, take them off and put them on the Isuzu or the Hino with the same 10 star pattern, and it still does exactly the same thing. So it's pretty much one size fits all sort of arrangement? Yeah. We'll be back right after this. There's nothing more devastating for a truck operator than to be involved in a serious road incident. We've all seen the impact of heavy vehicle accidents and at these times, when people are most vulnerable, it's critical that they have immediate support from a strong, stable, reliable and experienced organisation. NTI is Australia's number one truck insurer, the specialist you can count on to protect your transport and logistics assets, with the know-how to take control of the situation and the capability to reduce lost income by getting trucks back on the road again as soon as possible. Specialist products, experienced people, accredited repair and recovery networks and industry advocacy is what we do. It's our specialty and we've been doing it for more than 45 years. For more information, visit the website at nti.com.au or go to the NTI Facebook page. The issue that we had from the very beginning was we had people in tie fitting shops finding it a bit too hard. So that's why we changed the design. So it was just a simple one size fits all for your Americans, one size fits all for your Euro Asian. And what about the guys that are still running spiders? Can you do those? To be honest, it's one thing that we've actually decided to stay away from. Um, no disrespect to anyone whatsoever, mm. but it, in some ways, it's a bit of a dying market. Yep. And quite often, some of the vehicles that we've seen have normally been of that sort of age. Mm. Like we stand by a money back guarantee. And so we've now had to give money back to two customers that were like that. And they were both originally running on spiders. Yep. One was a 76 model Kenworth tipper. And this gentleman was adamant he didn't want it on the steers. Instead, no, we've got to go for the drives. And he said, no, these things don't work. It's a bogus idea. I don't know why. And I said, well, Normally, people will start on the steers and work their way back to the drives. Yep. But I said, I'll stand by now, money back guarantee. I went and saw him a few days later. And when I met up with this gentleman, I said, oh, I think it's a good thing I'd actually didn't bring a magnet with me. Mm. He said, why is that? And I said, well, I don't think I could find anywhere on this truck where I could actually even make it stick because it was an absolute <laughs> rut. <laughs> Because of the roaring that I copped over the phone, yep. when I saw this old girl, I thought, oh, gosh, the wrecking yard is literally only just two blocks away. Why don't we just push it there and get it over with? <laughs> because what they did was they took the spiders off and bought a 10 stud uh, setup, which they got from this wrecking yard just down the road, and put it on. <laughs> and I said to the gentleman, look, you know, you can't fix a severed limb with a Band-Aid. So <laughs> basically, mate, here's your money. I wish you all the best. <laughs> then the other one was a 1982 model Ford Louisville. Right. A great looking vehicle. Yep. And he had 10 studs on the front, spiders on the back. Yep. When I went and fitted them out, it was the same situation. These things don't beep, 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 beep work. <laughs> if you have a rough idea what the beeps are. Oh, yeah. I then found out that the vehicle actually at one stage over its lifespan been rolled. So it actually had a bent chassis. 
Oh, well, yeah. So I said, well, you know, to be honest, you could put anything you like on here and she's still going to misbehave like this anyway. Yeah. So it was also a good learning curve for me because I still got to learn something out of it and we parted ways with a handshake and we let bygones be bygones. And that was when I first started back, uh, yeah, five years ago. Yeah, right. So it's not a miracle cure. It's not a silver bullet for every beast of a truck. but No, but at the same time, I've said to so many people, whether you're running a brand new vehicle or an older vehicle, sometimes you fit the rings and you notice disharmony running in the vehicle. Take it as a good thing because it's actually letting you know that there's something else going on in the truck itself or the bus, I should say, rather, because we've been out of buses continuously. Yeah. So it'll bring your attention to the likes of kingpins, tyre pressure, wheel alignment issues. Yep. It's things like that that'll actually bring your attention to it. When they're done and dusted, bang, she'll be schnick and run nice and smooth again, even better than it did the first time. Yeah, well, as you say, bad shocks, bad shackle pins, bad springs, anything like that's going to affect the, the way she runs down the road and the tyre wear. Absolutely. And tyres aren't cheap. I was having a bit of a look there before on a set of Bridgestone R150s are about $500 each for a steer tyre. That's right. So it doesn't take long to chew up tyres and it doesn't take long if you take some positive steps like getting your wheel pressures right and your balances right, your tyre pressures right. Exactly. And it can only just be just a couple of minutes that you do, whether it's daily or every week, that can save you so much money with that sort of stuff. Whether you've got like a a full load and you'll have your tyre pressure at X amount, and then when you're empty, put it to this particular amount. Some people might say, oh, that's a lot of waste of time, but that time is also affecting your back pocket as well. Yeah, well, you do see a lot of log trucks with those drive tyre inflation systems on it, don't you? So like Air CTI, for example, mm. is one of those companies that I actually work in sync with continuously. We pass work to each other mm. because they can't fit anything like balance beads or counterweights to their tyres. Yeah. So what they do is they then say, okay, well, let's go the balance rings with the Air CTI as they work in sync with one another. Sounds good, mate. So we've made the decision to put the balance rings on. You drive the truck into the workshop. What happens then, mate? What do the boys do? Okay. Literally, Mike, it's a 90-second pit stop, basically. Someone from Penske told me one time that I was talking out my rear end, and I said, well, <laughs> check our website, and you'll be able to see for yourself. Because one of my customers, he had his 108 parked up one day at Gimpy as I called in to drop some more uh, rings off of the drives for him. Yeah. And it simply was just jack up the wheel, simply remove your wheel, place the ring over the stud pattern, yep. and put the wheel back over the top. Whether you're using balance rings or not, Mm. I personally recommend using censoring sleeves. Most people don't even worry about it, but I still recommend it. Simply just tighten up to the normal torque that you would, whether it's a US, Asian or Euro. They've all got their different types of standards with that stuff. And then Bob's your uncle. There's one thing that we always recommend, though, is do not have anything like canterweights or balance beads in or on the wheel or in the tyre because they will then fight against each other. Yeah. Yeah. Bit counterproductive, mate. You're buying the rings to balance the wheels. Exactly. Exactly. So as soon as you take off, they start to work and there's nothing more to do. Just watch the tyre wear and make sure everything's okay. Yeah, still do your rotations. Like people say to me, oh, how often should I rotate the tyres? You know, 50,000, 20,000? Yep. And I say, you do it however you still choose to do it. Yep. It's not my place to go saying what sort of brand of tyres that you should be using or how you should be operating your business, but it's just fitting them correctly and you look after them, basically, like anything in life. You look after them and then they'll look after you. Yep. Uh, one of my first customers, who was a friend of mine, I simply gave them to him as a test model for his Ibeco at the time. He put them on, had that vehicle, I think, for two years until he took them off, put them on his Volvo, ran the Volvo for another two years until he sold the business and then started working for a gentleman with another Volvo. Those rings are now sitting on that vehicle today, mm. running around. Yep. And so in the meantime, that same pair of rings have been balancing three prime movers over the last few years. <laughs> so you haven't actually built in the wear out factor, mate. You've made a mistake. Yes, but you should say that a few people have said, you know, how are you going to make more money? Well, okay, that's all well and good. But if that's the case, you could say to people who make bull bars, make them to break within five years. Yeah. Same with wheels. Do you make a wheel to break within five or six years so you can sell more? A perfect example is a house. Mm. I'd actually still in 20 years time, I'd rather be living in the damn thing, to be honest. That's right. Yeah. So, hey, just a quick other side one while we're here. Tire pressures, mate, steer tire pressures. Guys are saying something about pressures as low as 85 and up to 115 or even a little bit more. Some guys, 125 in your super singles and things like that. Yep. What do you reckon about tire pressure? Obviously, it has an effect on the wear and the heat in the tire 
We know guys let their tyres down to drive in the sand. Yep. A lot of our listeners are highway drivers. Yeah. What do you reckon about tyre pressures on the highway? That is so hard to advise on. A meeting I had with a fleet about a year ago, this fellow was adamant, the, the manager was adamant, no, every single tyre has to be on 95 PSI. Yeah. They're all American vehicles, and that was regardless of whether it was a Western Star or Kenworth or Cabover. Yeah. They all had to be on 95. Yeah. Whereas when I talked to the likes of Chet from Air CTI, for example, He's actually said, well, that's all well and good, but horses for courses, basically. Yeah, indeed. Hence why I'm the wrong person to be advising exactly what sort of pressures should be going in, because what we were doing with our fuel tanker work was completely different to what someone running out on that same very road out to Chinchilla every day would be doing, running on cattle, for example, or grain. Yeah. When people say to me, even when it comes to brands of tyres as well, I don't go recommending that because it all depends on what your back pocket can handle and how can you are to go flooring up the hill or taking a slow and steady round corners as well. So it looks like I've got to talk to a tyre guy now. I have to say, I can't answer that one, but I'd still recommend that you talk to the right person when it comes to that sort of stuff. As I say, my personal experience, greatly impressed with balance rings and how they work. I've got to thank you for coming on the show and having a bit of a chat with us and helping the listeners out with answering some of the frequently asked questions. You're based up in Brisbane, but where can we get them, mate? If people are interested to find out more, what do they do? Yeah, Mike, go to atlasbalance.com.au. You can check out where you can get them from our distributors around Australia. Mm. Also, you can send me a message directly via Facebook or our website, and one of the crew will pick up on you. We send them Australia-wide, and we send them also to New Zealand on a regular basis, plus we're now getting inquiries from people in, gosh, Greece, Scotland, Ireland, and the UK, as well as uh, North America. We've sent some over recently as well. Wow. It's truly a worldwide interest in the things then. Considering that I only ever wanted to do it from the beginning just to simply fit out my vehicle along with my folks' rigs, yep. just simply for a bit of part-time work because I had given up buying and selling cattle. Yep. And five years later, this is what I'm doing every day of the week. <laughs> but it's great when you get that response back from customers. Like I had some gentleman leave a message just before the truck show saying, did you check out your Facebook page? I'd read it and he'd said, I used to get 80,000 roughly on a set of steers. Yep. This time round with the balance rings, I got 186,000. Yep. So hence why he actually then came back and he bought them for the drives. And then he said when he's done the drives, he's going to move on doing his trailers as well. Right. So money back guarantee, you said? 100 day money back guarantee, five year warranty. But look at it this way. 100-day money-back guarantee. I've had some people ask me, well, how am I going to figure that over a period of 100 days? Mm. Well, 100 days, it's three months. Yeah. Three months. If you can't figure out literally what's going on within the first week, then you might want to have a chat to the people in your workshop because when you fit the rings, you'll notice within as much as about 30 seconds to a couple of minutes because as soon as you get up past that 60, 70 Ks an hour, Mm. that's when it starts to come into effect and you'll notice that the vehicle will be handling completely differently as well. Yeah. Well, as I say, I'm happy to vote yes on that. I noticed a difference in the 90 pretty much straight away. As soon as you got it out on the open road, she was a different beast altogether. Not that it was terrible to drive beforehand, but it did make a difference. Mike, it's funny you should say that because I clearly remember the morning that I took the old Coronado for a drive out to Robbie Island on the other side of North Brisbane. Mm. And I called up my old man and I said, what the hell's going on here? And he said, what are you talking about? And I said, this thing's actually driving nice and smooth. Mm. And I don't have to be fighting like a buck and bull on this damn thing anymore. <laughs> and he actually said, well, that's interesting because someone obviously didn't do their walk around check this morning before they drove off out the front door, did they? <laughs> and I was like, um, yeah, <laughs> good point. Good way to be busted on a pre-start check, though. <laughs> exactly. The old bugger caught me. But at the same time, it was a good thing because it was literally chalk and cheese. Yeah. I'd driven it the Saturday prior when that driver was having his days off. Yep. Then the type that put the rings on. I think it was like Friday, and that's when I got it on Saturday morning. Totally different vehicle altogether. Right. And so that's why it was a no-brainer to go and do the rest of the vehicle all the way through. Right. Been great to talk to you, Simon. Good luck with it, mate. It's a great Australian product. We'll be watching with interest what happens. Andy and I are always happy to support Australian Made and get the information out to our listeners about where they can get things that actually work. Well, I've got to say in particular, Mike, thank you for actually having me on as a guest as well, because just listening to your show the other day, 
you know, some of the other people who were on there already have actually been using our products. And I thought, wow, this world is actually quite small. Yeah. Seeing how fast it's moving throughout Australia and then how many people all over the place are using them now as well. So I've got to say thank you very much for taking us on board. It's entirely our pleasure, mate. You take care of yourself and we'll see you on the road. Thank you, sir. Have a good one. Safe travels. signage or graphics for your truck, trailer, van, boat, equipment or business, the Sticker Shed is the fast and cost efficient large format digital print and vinyl cut graphic business that can meet all your needs. They specialise in signs, graphics, decals, stickers, banners, one-way window signage and even large-scale canvas prints. Don't be fooled by the name, the Sticker Shed has a fully mobile production facility which means they can manufacture your signage or graphics on the spot. Even if they're not in your area, they can still custom make your signs, stickers and graphics and ship them to you. For more information or to obtain a quote, send an email to brett at thestickershed.com.au, visit the Sticker Shed Facebook page or call Brett on 0412 105 151. The Sticker Shed, their business is making your business look great. It's time for That's What You Think. Some say they're too opinionated for their own good. Some say they're just a pair of grumpy old men. We just know them as Mike and Andy. Wake me when the show starts. It's already been on a while. Wake me when it's over. Hey Mike, like to hear your thoughts on this. Just seen that a Brisbane subcontractor has been told by his employer to either buy a new Euro 5 or 6 Prime Mover or don't bother coming back. And what's more, he was given only three weeks to comply. What is that about? Seldom have I seen bigger acts of bastardry in the transport industry than this. And I am not alone. Mm. Senator Glenn Stirl has on his Facebook page a fairly long rant detailing the whole story. If anyone wants to go and have a look at that. Also, we've got the story on big rigs, which you can go and have a look at on the news section there. An Australia-wide toll grocery standard came into effect on February 1 this year, demanding subcontractors on the coal contract update all equipment to modern standards. So what they're saying is Euro 5 or Euro 6 prime mover. These things aren't cheap. You can't just go out and buy one, or you can if you've got the money, but these blokes aren't on fantastic rates in the first place. I've had several emails. I've had the rates sent to me, the old rate then, the new rates sent to me twice by two different individuals. Mm. I've got the letter from the toll grocery manager, Mr. Law, detailing the news to the subcontractors that this is what they're doing. But the part that really concerns me is that Coles and the TWU signed a memorandum of understanding not that long ago. Do you remember we talked about that on the news? I do, mate. Yeah. How long ago was that? It was only, it was only a couple of months ago. It would be, yeah, six, eight weeks maybe. Yeah, so they signed this MOU. Hmm. And it seems to me as though it's bearing pretty bitter fruit there at the moment. The whole thing just reeks. Now, as I said, I've had the rate sheets sent to me from two different sources and several people on the phone to me about it. So if we just look at the new rate scheme, hmm. each store has a store number. Obviously, if you've done any deliveries to supermarkets, you'll know that. Mm-hmm. They've got a store name, obviously. They've got a geographic zone, which is from zone one to zone four in this particular case. And they have a cost per pallet pay rate from Monday to Saturday, Sunday and public holidays for refrigerated freight and for ambient freight, they have the same price. Now, the price for ambient freight is generally different to the price of chilled freight, obviously, because it costs more to run a fridge fan. Let's just compare four prices. Benora Point. Now, Benora Point is down on the border, down near Tweed there. Yep, yep. And once upon a time, the rate down there on a Sunday used to be $23.49 a pallet for cold freight. Right. They've dropped it back to $14.64 a pallet. That's huge. That's unbelievable. Oh. Look at Casino. Now, Casino's over the border. It's a little bit of a drive. You're only going to do one of these trips in a day. Yep. The rate from Monday to Saturday used to be $49.57 a pallet space. They've dropped it back to $25.55 a pallet space. My maths isn't great, Mike, but that's about 50% from where I sit. It is about 50%. Now, if we just assume that they've got a 24-pallet space trailer, which is a 48-footer, and I think a lot of these guys are running 53-footers now, Hmm. but the number that I wrote down here on my piece of paper is about $680. That's what it pays now. 
So you're not going from Brisbane to Casino and back and doing anything else in the day. Your pay rate's effectively been cut in half, and yet you're expected to be able to go and buy a brand new Euro 5 or 6 prime mover and run the thing and potentially pay a driver. Yep. So the question now comes about is what's happened to Cole's safety policy? Yeah. Where are the TWU on this? The TWU aren't saying anything. It sounds like policies are a little bit flexible in that respect. Well, to my understanding... Their policy was a 90-day update of gear as such. Yep. And this guy's been given 21 days. Yes. So he's been given three weeks as opposed to three months. Yep. What's the go with that? Oh, well, it's just toll flexing their muscle. I know that I'm never, ever going to own my own truck again. I carted for tolls, and tolls were always reasonably good, although they could be hard to get on with. There are a hundred things that I could tell you about tolls, one of which was they don't mind doing their cost recovery. Hmm. Back in the day, people will remember that there was an argument about whether they could charge you for insurance on loads. Once upon a time, tolls used to charge an insurance fee. So you would get your SPA, which is your subcontractor payment advice, and it would tell you what your rate was, where you were going, give you your load numbers. And, mm. and there would be the amount for how much the rate was for the trip and how much the GST was for the trip. And then there'd be a deduction for the insurance that they would charge you, even though you may have your own marine insurance now, there was a big argument about whether they could do that, and they decided the decision was made that they couldn't because they weren't insurance agents. And I'm sure people listening to this story have been in transport for any amount of time can tell you that they understand that to be true. Yeah. So Toll used to then decide to charge a service fee because you might want to go and use their toilet or use their shower. The service fee, weirdly enough, was the same as what the old insurance fee was. But, you know, that's just the way toll roll. Pure coincidence, mate. Pure coincidence. Yeah. To be frank, mate, it's gobsmacking to me that anyone could even stand up for this. Glenn Stirl says in his bit, once upon a time we used to have a blue in the transport industry. You know, boys would park their trucks across the gate and there'd be a big argument with the management about it. And eventually it was sorted out and eventually the freight got going again. Yeah. He's asking the question, and so am I. You never hear me press for industrial action, but today I'm going to break my own rule. It's time someone parked their trucks across the gate and said to Tolls and Coles, you cannot do this to it, because it's a big decision to go and buy a new prime mover. It is, mate, but what I'm reading in the story here, this guy is apparently quite understanding that he needs to update, and it's been his intention to do that. Yeah. And I think a major part of the issue for him was not so much that request, it was more the time that he's been given to do it. Yeah. I know this is quoting his words and there's always, I guess, two sides to every story, but when he's called to try and find out what it's all about and ask why he only had three weeks when everyone else was given three months, mm. he was told, mate, not our problem, don't care. Yeah. If that's true, that's a huge issue in itself. But the guy wants to do the right thing and has wanted to do the right thing. Yeah. But the time thing is an issue and as he pointed out, He's probably $1,400 down in pay each week, but still expected to find a new truck. It doesn't make sense. It defies everything. There's a guy here in the story that says with the rate cuts, I'm down $3,000 a week doing the same work, and they want us to buy new trucks. It's just a joke. It's worse than a joke. It's an insult. Coles, where does this behavior fit into your road safety message? Yep. That's the last line in the big rig story. And I'll tell you what, it's the last line in Glenn Steele's message the comments after Stirl's story on Facebook, Concetto de Petrio says Subby should just walk away, tell Toll to buy their own trucks. <laughs> Matt Willis said Toll will stop at nothing to screw their subbies. These guys have got to stop holding back. They should say what they really think. <laughs> <laughs> should Adam Skidmore, this has been going on in every single region in Australia in all types of transport for years. Yeah. He says he's been out of the game for nearly 12 years. The same in the 70s, 80s, 90s, and so on. It will never change, and he calls for a Royal Commission. Now, I don't know if it needs a Royal Commission, but there really does need to be some sort of a look into what's going on. Absolutely. Yeah, Michael Vella said he's feeling sorry for the owner-drivers, but why do we think that the likes of Toll owes us anything? <laughs> As an owner-driver of a price-limited company, you become master of your own destiny. If you want protection from awards, become an employee. I can understand that point of view. I mean... I'd encourage anyone to just go and have a look and read through the comments. Grab your popcorn, go to Facebook, find Senator Glenn Stirl. He's quite easy to find. And you can just go through and you can read what a lot of guys are thinking. We had this conversation ages ago about the Road Safety Remuneration Tribunal. One of the great regrets that I have is that I was led astray by the information at the time. And I was one of the people that barked so hard against it. And I really wish that I had known then what I know now and could have seen what was going on. Mm. Time to move on, mate. Yep.
once again by ask the Transport Workers Union to come on the show to justify what they're not doing. Yeah. I'm half tempted to ring Peter Bergini up in Queensland and say, mate, what's the story? They've lost some of their greatest supporters up there, and it's all because of stuff like this. To me, mate, this is wrong on so many levels. This is just something that really does need to be acted upon. I could understand if it was on the news tonight that half a dozen blokes had parked their trucks across the gate at the DC. Yeah. I could understand why that happens. Well, Mike, a lot of our listeners come from Queensland. Yeah. It'd be interesting to get some feedback from the listeners. What do you think about it? Well, I've got a pretty good idea what you think about the situation. Hmm. How do you see approaching it from this point on? What do we need to do? What's going to happen? Let us know, guys. Yeah, I'd love to know. Word has it that Coles and the TWU have gone strangely silent and Coles have gone pretty silent on it as well. Hmm. 25 to 60% drop in pay rate for your loyalty and commitment. Yeah. It's a kick in the guts. But as they say, mate. You know what I think. That's what you think. Indeed. Just a quick word about our sponsors. Go to our webpage, www.ontheroadpodcast.com.au. You can see who the friends of the show are. And if their products are something that you're interested in or something that you may need, please support them because they support us and they bring our show to you. News is brought to you by Big Rigs, Australia's national road transport newspaper. Mike, how are you? I'm all right, mate. Living the life over here in the West. Lovely. Yeah, beautiful. Mate, I've noticed, well, I've noticed, I'm sure you've noticed too, how our politicians are always smiling in the face of disaster, seemingly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I came across a thing that someone said, he who smiles in a crisis has found someone else to blame. Indeed. <laughs> I reckon there's so much truth in that. Mate, there is. Yeah. 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 Of course, they're not suffering the same as the rest of us, but don't start me on that, will you? Mm, well, let's let's not, yeah. No, let's no not, we'll just leave that be. Let's not go there. Let's I got a list here too, but we'll be here forever. Righto. All right, let's kick into it. Under planned changes to national truck laws, mm. trucking businesses will need to hold a special business licence or meet a mandatory national operator standard, says the ATA. The ATA has argued strongly against trucking business licensing or proposals for a national operator standard. Andrew McKellar has said that the ATA has argued strongly against trucking business licensing and proposals for a national operator standard. And they've argued against it because they reckon it's going to cost $3.2 billion over 10 years to implement it. There was an independent report that said that. Now, the Australian Logistics Council believes that ministers missed an opportunity to advance a safe operation of heavy vehicles by failing to fully endorse inclusion of its proposed operator standard. So my understanding at the moment is that we're not going to have a proposed operator standard. Hmm. There have been cases for and against. I sort of fall somewhere in the middle on this. Once upon a time, we used to have things called cart licences, like taxi licences in Tasmania anyway, yep. and that restricted trade a little bit, and they eventually got rid of them. But the thing about this, Andy, if you wanted to, you could go and buy a truck this afternoon. You could. Well, you'd have to lend me the money, but yeah, I could. Yep, I get the theory. Yeah, so you, <laughs> so you could. You could go and buy a truck, yeah. and then you could go and use a web page like LoadShift or one of the other things around, call a loading agent and get a load, yep. do the load, and you don't have to know anything. You don't have to know the cost to run your truck. You don't have to know how to balance your books. You don't have to do anything. Yeah. And the problem with that is... You get all these guys that are going buying these trucks and doing these jobs and they do the job at a rate which feels good because, you know, the wheels are turning and we think we're making money, but we're not. Yeah. What we're effectively doing is dragging the rates down for everyone else. And the only person that wins is the person that's paying for the freight. Yeah. The industry doesn't win. Yeah. And I think what the ATA are talking about is that there really needs to be some sort of a baseline of qualification and level of understanding for people before they can just go and get a truck and go into business. Mm. And I find that very difficult to argue with. Yep. So anyway, that's the story with that. Go to the Big Rigs news page, have a bit of a read for yourself, have a think about it, make your own mind up, and there you are. There you are. Well, on the subject which we weren't talking about, of all things new and shiny... Redesigned inside and out, the all-new 700 series has been released by Hino, who have claimed that it is their safest truck to date. Yeah, it's not a bad-looking thing. It's not. It's a red one, the one on the news page that's probably make it go far. Oh, mate, it's red, it's got to be good. <laughs> 
it's not the ugliest truck I've ever seen either, to be honest with you. If you're looking at comparing it to a Kenworth or something like that, it's not the same thing. But horses for courses, these things, they've got a fairly large variety of engines and configurations. They've got all the safety gear on them. Mm. I've got no doubt that you look inside and they're all comfortable and got everything that opens and shuts inside them. They're Euro 6, so they'd be all right for that tail job. Yeah. Uh, they've got a couple of different engine choices, a 9-litre and a 13-litre engine, so they'll be able to do anything, really, that anyone else can do. I'd like to go and have a look at one. Kirby's going to go and have a drive one, apparently, mm. and we'll get a report. We will. It'll be interesting to hear his report. Yeah. Speaking of good-looking trucks, anyone who was at the Brisbane Truck Show this year would have seen Jolene, the lovingly restored 1946 Jailbar truck. The difference from the original, while still looking totally original, what went into it just made this thing 2022. Wrapped in 1946, it was just beautiful. It's a work of art. Yeah. It's not just a truck, it's a work of art. Transport and Logistics Specialist Insurer and our sponsor, NTI, raffled off Jolene to raise much-needed funds for motor neuron disease research. The raffle raised $235,000 in ticket sales and an excited NTI CEO said he was thrilled with the money raised by what was actually the fourth restoration performed by the company in support of MND. They do great work with that. They do. Doesn't that thing look awesome? Oh, mate. Doesn't that lady look happy? <laughs> yeah, I bought two tickets to that. Did you? It was exactly the same colour as my Falcon Ute and it would have looked so good in the garage beside it, but anyway. Yeah. Well, there's not too much more for me to add to the story except to say how impressed I am with the amount of money that they've raised, $534,000 already donated over the last five years. Mm. The support for motor neurone research is the legacy of the late CEO, Wayne Patterson, who was diagnosed in 2015 and and later lost his battle. Mm. You know, people say that it's impossible to find a cure. Well, it's not impossible if you keep looking. We'll find an answer one day. I think you and I, Andy, are both proud to be sponsored by NTI to help us get good safety message out there and good stories like this. Absolutely. Now, Mike, the National Road Train Prime... I'm going to need to take a long breath for this one. (laughs) The National Road Train Prime Mover Mass and Dimension Exemption Notice 2021 came into effect yesterday, which should help to ease pressure on road networks, improve fatigue management and increase the efficiency of Australia's heavy vehicle fleet. Outstanding, mate. I'm so happy that you managed to get through that because it's a mouthful. Now I need to lie down on a Bex. <laughs> <laughs> Look, this is a great thing, really, because it makes life a lot easier for people. There are several things that it covers. It covers decoupling, steer weight mass limits, and longer combinations. So I would suggest that anyone that's running road trains who's in the area that this is going to be affected by... Mm probably should go and actually have a read for themselves rather than listen to me waffle on about it. Mm. But we've always had this trouble with long prime movers being coupled to 45-foot trailers and having a dolly behind them, and that's legal, but as soon as you drop the dolly off, it's not. So these things have finally been looked at. It's just a clear example of industry having a bit of a say. The NHVR Chief Regulatory Policy and Standards Officer, Don Hogman, said the notice resolves several long-standing issues faced by road train operators while enhancing road safety. Difficult to argue with. These rules are common sense rules and it's about time that they happen. Yeah, good old common sense, not so common. Yeah. Now, mate, following the truck crash last month at a dangerous Melbourne intersection that injured five people, authorities are still looking for a long-term safety fix. This is the intersection of Power Street and City Road, Southgate, that's come under the spotlight simply because there's been the accident there the other week. But there's been a number of close calls where people have been very close to being injured there. I've driven around this intersection myself in the BW, and I can tell you it does tighten up on you very, very quickly. Mm. The fact is, blokes driving B-doubles with DG on them are not there because that's where they want to be. Yeah. There has to be a level of understanding that this is the designated route for those trucks. And it's about time that they had a bit of a look at themselves and thought, well, we need to do something. Basically, what they've done, they've decided to put up some bollards, and so there's a little bit more stuff there for you to run into. (laughs) But at least they're putting up some warning signs for people and telling them to be aware that there may be trucks coming around the intersection. It's a complex intersection. It's in a busy, high-density area of Melbourne, and they're going to deliver these immediate upgrades to protect the community and make city roads safer for all road users. Now, that's according to the Minister for Roads and Safety, Ben Carroll. I would suggest to Ben that there needs to be a common-sense approach to what's going on. 
there are a lot of trucks that could run through the tunnels that don't now with a bit of sensible regulation. Mm. It would be unfortunate if there was an incident anywhere on the road network that involved a truck with DG on it, but I can't think of a worse place for a DG incident to be in the middle of an intersection like that. Yeah, yeah. You know, they talk about the thinking behind all this goes back to the Mont Blanc tunnel and trucks not being able to go through tunnels and fires, and, mm. and they're all very real concerns. They really are. But one has to question the logic sometimes in running dangerous goods trucks, particularly truckloads of fuel, truckloads of acids, truckloads of all sorts of things through residential and highly populated areas where they've got to interact with other traffic and other people quite so closely when if you just take it through the tunnel, it's not without risk, but I think the risk is a little bit less. That's just my opinion, but there you go. Indeed. All right, mate, that's about all we have time for this week. Oh, okay, okay, hot off the press, here we go. Breaking news. Yeah. The new Labor leader in New South Wales, Mr Chris Minns, mm. has promised a relief to toll mania, mate. Bless him. Maybe he's seen a bill from North Connects. <laughs> he's saying that the M5 and M8 at $20 each way for trucks are forcing truckies to take other routes and billions of dollars spent on toll tunnels have seen surface traffic massively increased. He's called it an own goal. Mm-hmm. So he's saying that if Labor can get in in New South Wales, and good luck with that, <laughs> he's going to have a look at the toll mania. Okay. So there you go, mate. Yeah. Well, they always love a slogan to hang on to, don't they? Toll mania. That's got a ring to it. It's got a ring to it. It's not a three-word slogan, but it's, it's good. Indeed. All right, mate. As is my want, a couple of tips to see the week out for us. One, and I can vouch for this one personally, you're never too old to learn something stupid. <laughs> and I've got the proof. <laughs> And secondly, and I think probably more important and probably closer to home for all of us, always take life with a grain of salt, Mm. plus a slice of lemon and a shot of tequila. (laughs) Works for me. Bottoms up. Bottoms up. Cheers, mate. See you, mate. For all the latest industry news, go to www.bigrigs.com.au. Hey, everyone. Kermie here. Hope you're travelling well, staying safe and on the right side of the white line, by which of course I mean the left. I also hope you're tuning in to the On The Road podcasts with Mike and Andy, because if you're not, two things will happen. One, you'll be missing out on some great interviews, a good few laughs, and what's generally going on out there in truckland. Uh, what's the other thing? Ah, that's it. You won't have heard this plug for On The Road. Hmm. Okay then, so those of you who are already on here, go and tell your mates about On The Road. They can find it on Spotify or iTunes at On The Road Aussie Trucking Podcast. But you knew that, didn't you? Because you're already... Yeah, look, just go and sell them, okay? Cheers and take care of you. We've all heard about the Senate inquiry that's been conducted by Glenn Stirl and a lot of evidence has been presented there and as I've said on numerous occasions, you don't have to listen to me for this information. You can go to the Transport Inquiry podcast page on Facebook. Steve Corcoran has basically put all the information that's available on the public record up there for everyone to hear. Now, Peter Anderson wrote a piece in Big Rigs mid-May, I suppose it was, And he talked about how the bureaucracy is continuing to stifle the reform. Now, there's been evidence presented, and I believe he presented some of this evidence, that says that there are factors that are happening outside of the industry that really do bog us down with the way things are done. Basically, he said administrators administering administration, and it's absolute rubbish the way some of this stuff happens. And he cites the example of the National Road Transport Commission, which are now known as the NTC, doing a report in, I think it was about 96, and they recommended that there be changes to heavy vehicle driver licensing. Well, the reality of it is nothing's changed. So we move along, and I think it was 2013, I think the COAG Transport Industry Council once again called for a report, and once again, nothing changed. The final report, I think, took five years. But anyway, nothing changed. So believe this if you can, but Osroads has commissioned yet another report into licensing. That happened last year. And the recommendations are to be completed by November 2022. 
And then even if that deadline's met, it's going to be another two to four years before anything happens. This is a clear example of inaction causing problems for us in our industry. We have no control over what these people do. It's so 30 years now, the licensing system hasn't gone forward in any way, shape or form. We sit here on the road and we look at what's going on and we see the people that are coming into the country and then going and doing a four-day course and getting a B-double license and ending up causing issues on the road. And there are other people around that are getting their licenses as well that don't have the level of training we'd like them to have. The companies aren't training people because they don't get any payback. There's no incentive for them to do it. We're not allowed to take our young bloke with us in the truck anymore. That sort of father-to-son handing down of information hasn't happened for a good while now. It's very, very rare for that to happen these days. There's no apprenticeship scheme. There's no way to replace drivers apart from those, of course, who have the drive to go and do it themselves and the drivers we import. And when we import those drivers, they come here with a whole set of problems that they've brought with them from the culture that they learned to drive in, regardless of what anyone says. And look, I don't mind, as I've said, I'm on the record as saying, I don't care where people come from. They just have to meet our standards to drive in our country. And if you're going to be a commercial driver, then you need to meet, I think, some more stringent standards Sometimes that becomes a bit of a problem and the problems manifest themselves in traffic jams, accidents, people getting injured, maimed, killed. That's not right. That's not the way it should be. And it's government inaction. It's inaction on review of things that should happen. It's 30 years of stagnation, driver's licensing system, and the review of it magnifies these problems to the point where it just becomes an issue that costs the community money. Have a think about it, have a talk about it. If you've got anything to say about it, how about you shoot me an email and we'll have a bit of a chat about it. Keep it safe out there and we'll see you on the road. If you were driving trucks back in the mid-1970s, chances are you would have been listening to AM radio or playing your favourite music on an 8-track cartridge player or a cassette player if you'd gone really high-tech. Chances are one of the songs you were playing was what was voted by Billboard magazine as the top highway cruising road song of all time. Taking us out this week, it's the Allman Brothers Band with Jessica. That brings us to the end of another On The Road show brought to you by NTI, Australia's leading transport and logistics insurer. For more On The Road news and additional features, visit our website at www.ontheroadpodcast.com.au. Be sure to join us same time next week. In the meantime, play nice with each other and most of all, stay safe out there. Bye for now. Bye-bye. 
The team here at On The Road are great believers in the right to free speech, and whilst we might not always be in 100% agreement with the views and opinions of our guests and contributors, we firmly support their right to hold and express those opinions.